Welcome to the Wired for Success podcast, your show for ambitious, mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to build million-dollar businesses without sacrificing their health, relationships, or happiness, who understand that in order to build their empire, they need a solid foundation, and that the more they are thriving, the more their business is thriving too. This show brings you the very best from science, self-development, and entrepreneurship to set you up for sustainable success. Hi, I'm Claudia Garbett, the scientist turned mindset and high performance coach for entrepreneurs, and I help you get wired for success. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Wired for Success podcast, where we talk about all things science, self-development and entrepreneurship that help you get to that next level of success in your life and business. And today I'm super excited to bring you another interview episode and Leaders and Readers Wired for Success book club feature. So if you've been following this podcast for a while, you might already be familiar with this segment, but if you're new to this show, you might not know what this is all about. So here's the gist. The Leaders of Readers Wide for Success book club is dedicated to introducing you to the best books from the science, self-development and entrepreneurship entrepreneurship categories that help you get wired for success. So what I do is I invite top scientists, thought leaders, and super successful entrepreneurs to discuss their latest books so that we can all explore new ideas and proven frameworks together. And without further ado, I would like to introduce today's featured author. My guest today is Becca Powers. She's an award-winning Fortune 500 sales executive. She's a motivational speaker, life career transformation coach, Kundalini yoga teacher, and best-selling author. And I have actually had the pleasure of recording a regular interview with Becca for this podcast, which isn't out yet, but I can tell you that you're in for a treat. And we found out that we are on the same mission to help people be successful, healthy, and happy all at the same time. And that's why I'm so super excited to have Becca on the show again to dive into her wonderful book, Harness Your Inner CEO. Welcome back, Becca. And thank you so much for taking the time to discuss your book with us today. Yes, you are welcome. And Claudia, thank you for the invite back. I am so excited to talk to you again. <laughs> Me too. I was looking forward to this all week long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I really, really enjoyed reading your book. And there was so much that I resonated with. I don't even know where to start. So why don't you start with a common problem that I see in a lot of high achievers and that we sort of touched on the last time we talked. So if I had to characterize uh, characterize a typical high achiever, I would say that one of the things that sets them apart from other people is their willingness to endure hard times. They have this incredible drive, this David Goggins mentality that they can just power through everything and ignore discomfort, ignore challenging emotions, ignore pain, and ignore all evidence that tells them to stop. So on the one hand, this mindset and attitude often helps them to become super successful in the first place because they're willing to play full out. Um, But on the other hand, they often pay a hefty price later on because they sacrifice their health, relationships, and happiness at the altar of success. And there are many examples in your book that illustrate this pattern. So why don't you pick one that you feel illustrates this best and talk us 
through how this showed up in your life and what results it created for you. Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I think you summarized it best as far as high achievers too. And I, I always say it's our greatest strength, but also our greatest weakness, this like inner resiliency we tap into. And I did myself, like one of the stories, the, the overall arc of the book, as you're following my journey um, through my trials and triumphs, but one, that asset is really what got me in trouble. So I powered through um, as a sales leader, a, um, a work environment that was great for other people, but wasn't great for me. And but because I believed in the mission, and that's like another thing I just want to like digress on too, in that high achiever profile is like, we are very surface-based and very impact-based. We want to make a difference. And we do that with like all of our beingness. And so what I have found too, is when you believe in something, when you believe in your mission or the mission that you're working for, or you know that what you're doing is going to make a positive change or make an impact on other people, you go all in. That's the high achiever. It's an all in. And I was all in to my detriment, <laughs> which is exactly what you're talking about. I stayed probably um, two years too long in a, in a role that wasn't an exact fit. And as a result, it had um, horrible effects on me. Like I ended up, as you, as you read in the book, I ended up with two autoimmune, uh, I ended up with autoimmune disease, two anxiety disorders, adult ADHD. I gained 30 pounds. I had disconnected relationships with my kids. They still to this day feel like I was emotionally neglectful during those years because all my stuff, all my passion, all my purpose was going into providing for them too. So that was tied in, this provider element was tied into all my oomph. Mm -hmm. And I was and my marriage was on the verge of divorce. So I really, um, I'll stop there. I wanted to go somewhere else, but I'll just pause there. Cause that's some of the dynamics to what you were just kind of teeing up. Is this like, yeah. Hey, all that inner resilience. I was able to wake up every day and be like, I got today. I do my affirmations. I'd be like, I'm a badass and, and pump myself up. But I was pumping myself up to stay in a role that ultimately wasn't working for me. Right. And oftentimes I feel that we're just, pumping up that facade, but there's nothing behind that facade. Yes. It's just uh, trying to look good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but even when we are feeling really, really terrible, and this is definitely a pattern that I recognize in my own life, and my default coping mechanism is the same, to simply keep going and just power through difficult situations. Mm -hmm. And as we said, this is such a double-edged sword because Sometimes the very things that help us become so successful in the first place, our determination, our drive, our perseverance, become things that cause the greatest pain. And yes. too, much of a, too much of a good thing can, in fact, become a bad thing, right? Right. It's, yes. Especially when it's applied in the wrong context or the wrong situation. I like to think about it like as a medicine that works like really, really well for one condition or in, my, in one circumstance, and it may even save lives. But in another context, it might actually be really harmful. 
Right. And, you know, I just want to, um, for the listeners or who, and, and the people that are watching, I think that's a really important part because it's very specific to you. What works for one person too might not work for the other person. Like I said, I was at a company where majority of the people thought it was the best job they've ever had. So like if I said, hey, this place isn't working for me, people looked at me like I was crazy. But part of the process of where I am now and what I'm so passionate about teaching about is that what might be good for others might not be good for you. And you need to learn to trust your inner guidance and the signs that your body is giving you to help you thrive. There's a way to, we talk about this a lot, but there's a way to go about success that actually is supportive and sustainable, um, but you've got to learn to listen to yourself. Yes, exactly. Listen for that feedback because your body will tell you what's right for you and what isn't. Yes. And yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I noticed in a lot of high achievers is that they have had some early experiences with competitive sports. You said you grew up playing soccer. I'm a runner. Yes, Another author that I, I just <laughs> right? Another author I just interviewed um, grew up playing baseball. And yet another friend of mine uh, was a cheerleader. So I don't think it matters what kind of sport you were into. What matters is that your young mind learned that you get praised and rewarded for playing full out, for not giving up, for trying really, really hard and for continuous effort. And that is the pattern that we fall back into, which again, is probably not a bad pattern in general, but it's tricky if things don't work out the way that we want them to. And when we don't get the rewards we anticipated, our natural tendency is not to adjust our strategy, but to simply try harder instead. And yes. that's when things start to fall apart. <laughs> Now, in what way have you modified this default pattern and how has the updated version served you in creating sustainable success without losing your edge because that's what a lot of people are afraid of right if yes, you relax we lose our edge yeah that's exactly right people are afraid that if they modify they'll lose their edge and i would challenge you to to think differently i have found that instead i am actually more successful than i was in those days of powering through. And I think because it, um, I'm moving from a pushing state to like a flow mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. And um, part of my flow is rest and recovering, which never existed before. So and so I still work a lot. I would, I, you know, I would even beg to say that I um, probably still work 40 to 50 hours a week because I run two businesses, but I'm doing it from a place of passion and a place of like my fire, which I talk a lot in the book. And when you're working from passion, it feels different. It's, it's um, kind of like a life force or like eating food. You have energy behind it. And also the part two to that is that I have, I've had to learn to listen to my body, especially with autoimmune immune disease. There was days I couldn't get out of bed. And I never, ever, ever want to feel like that again. So I know for me, my zone of highest productivity is from 6 a.m. to about 11 a.m. Like 
I, that's when I pump, <laughs> I do all like my administrative stuff or my, my big push is then, and then I like to have a lot of like my meetings and the, the things that maybe take up time, but aren't as like my production hours and after lunch, like, so that's my preferred state. And then, um, by five, five 30, I'm done with the occasional, you know, there's, there's business where you come outside of your your, your standard. But here's the thing, guys, you get to make that choice. It's not like, it's not where Claudia was saying it's the powering through, or I'm just going to do this because I have to, it's like, okay, this call that I have to take at seven o'clock is a little bit outside my zone. I know I'm going to push to exhaustion, but maybe I'll push off and, you know, um, some stuff in the morning so I can sleep in. Or like now I know that you talk about science a lot too, and not to digress, but there is a cause and effect. So if right. I choose to do something that's going to potentially drain my energy, I'm very conscious to put something back in that's going to pump it up. It's so important to have this balance. And it's, it's totally natural to have those times in your life when you have a lot on your plate and you just you just yeah. power through. But it, it shouldn't become the norm. It should be the exception. And you should... As you said, try to find the things that balance this out so that it doesn't drain your energy. Now, another thing in your book um, that you talked about was the importance of pattern interrupts to disrupt your automatic behavior. And I totally agree. And um, as you probably know, it's estimated that about 90 to 99% of your daily thoughts and behavior is run by your subconscious mind. And that's yes. on autopilot. That's the a huge percentage. That's and insane. Like, when I thought about that too, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and we need a pattern interrupt to break free from that habit loop so that we are able to entertain new ideas. So have you ever wondered why it often takes a sudden catastrophe of some sort to change the trajectory of your life? Well... <laughs> I think Not an interrupt. <laughs> it mainly has to do with the fact that those catastrophes act as powerful pattern interrupts because by definition, those are changes that are not gradual. Um, they are sudden or they're simply too big to be ignored. So you get to a point where your default behavior is no longer an option and you are forced to look for new strategies. And those are the tipping points that can either make you or break you. So why don't you tell us about the time that you got arrested? <laughs> yeah, so that was a really good pattern interrupt for me. Um, so I was in my mid-20s with small kids um, I was on the verge of divorce from my, the, the father of my children. And I, I'm a relatively good girl. I was just, I was in my pattern, home taking care of the kids. My husband came home one day and I was just pissed. And I was like, I'm going out with friends. I hadn't been out in months. And I may have had exactly one drink too much. <laughs> And I got pulled over on the way home from reggae night, which was a lot of fun, by the way. And this is back when CDs were like the end thing. And I had reached down to get a CD and um, took, as I went to reach for it in my vehicle, I took the wheel with me, came back, put my CD on. And next thing I know, there's cop lights behind me. And yeah. the thing that I want to say is that 
And in relation to pattern interrupt is that was a huge pattern interrupt for me because I was exhausted. I was trying to, again, another situation in life where I was trying to power through um, work. I was trying to power through motherhood and I was trying to power through a, a marriage that was dysfunctional at the time. And um, in powering through, I started making bad choices and that's what happens. And so here I am, cop lights behind me. And like the, the only reason that I got arrested, because I actually passed all my sobriety stuff, was because I had, was so defeated in the moment that when he asked me how many drinks I had, I'm like, I had three. <laughs> and he had it on audio. So anyway, wrap up that story. I did end up getting arrested for a DUI when, when I was in my mid-20s. And it changed the trajectory of my life. So even though it's kind of, I'm not really embarrassed by it. I was in my twenties and whatever, but it is something that people are like, Ooh, Oh my God, she got arrested or, but I can tell you it was the pattern interrupt. It was a trajectory changer. It was something that made me stop. There's nowhere to go when you're sitting in a holding cell. Okay. Besides N word. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? I got two babies at home. This is like, I just went out to go have a good time and now I'm sitting in jail. Like, this is so stupid. And, um, you know, really after that, it, it was, it helped me reprioritize what was important to me. And it was a huge learning lesson in that um, I, I needed to prioritize myself and my children and things like that. And of course, life has its way of sending patterns because I go through this, not the arrested part, but I go through a similar piece Later, which is where the bigger arc of Harness Year Nurse CEO comes from, is I powered through the work situation. But uh, it's really interesting that you that you say that that was a sudden interrupt, and it changed my life and got my life um, on track in a way that was really supportive for me. Yeah, I agree. It's such a great story that illustrates the power of pattern interrupts. The moment when your reality shifts so dramatically that you have to come up with a new plan, which you did. <laughs> so good on you. <laughs> and another thing you said in your book is that vision equals possibility and action equals probability. And I absolutely, absolutely love this quote because it's so true. If you can't imagine it, you can't create it. Because without a vision, your subconscious mind just doesn't know where to guide you. And creating a vision is like giving your subconscious a destination on a map, saying like, yes. this is where I want to go. And once you have this big picture or this macro goal, you need to translate it into an action plan that helps you get to that destination. This is exactly what I do with my clients too. So we start with this initial assessment to figure out what's working for them and what's not working for them right now. Then we create a vision and set those goals. And then we map out an action plan that will that. get them there. So we stay committed to the goal, but flexible in the approach, because as you said, not everything is working equally well for everyone. So if it's not working, we pivot, we try something else, because I'm not married to any tool or technique. I, I want to focus on results. So if it's not working, it's not working. And I'm That's not going right. to push that, right? And well, I, you know... I really, not to interrupt, but I, I really love what you're saying. And we talked about sports a little bit. So anyone who's listening who has that sports background, 
you know, I really think I embraced that from my days of playing soccer because like, you know, I was a, a forward and I was responsible for goals. Right. And I remember my coach telling me very early on, like, you need to envision yourself with the mm -hmm. goal. Like, I'd never had a big arc. Like, I didn't never had the power kick, but I had a really good straight line, you know, that like maybe was this high off the ground, but it was hard to tell what, what side of the goal net I was going to kick to. And that was like my power move. But all I knew is that that from a vision perspective, vision perspective, I needed to get that ball on the goal. And then right. my coach worked with me with all the different strategies of how to do that with my skill set. He didn't try to, to your point, he didn't try to make me into something that I wasn't. He took my strengths. And I talk about this a lot in the book too. Um, you know, he took my strengths and showed me how to use them in a way that worked for me. And that That's would, and I would say that would be like the action, you know, it took me practicing because I didn't have that big kick. So I couldn't stand center and just be like, I had to learn how to navigate that. And that took all those little action steps to figure it out. Yeah, I love that. Now, I'm curious, when you look at your own experiences with working with other coach, like in your business, for example, What was it that helped you create the biggest breakthroughs? Was it a special set of tools and techniques they taught you? Was it their energy and personality? Was it their ability to hold space for you? The way, the way they held you um, accountable or something else entirely? What was it for you that helped you create breakthroughs? So I want to talk about my two current coaches because, I mean, I've had coaches my entire life, so I could probably talk an hour on coaches and just be like, I love them all. But I have um, two coaches, Nancy Levin, who is a Hay House author. Mm -hmm. And I really, I engaged her in early 2020 because I did want to write this book. And I had tons of fear. I went, was up against imposter syndrome. And I really knew like my nervous system was scared. And mm -hmm. I had wanted to write a book since I was in my 20s. Here I am in my early 40s and I'm finally like, I think I, I can do this. I was in the writer's closet too. I mentioned that in the book, but like I've been journaling, writing song lyrics, writing poems, all this stuff since I was like six or seven years old. I mean, I got journals up, you know, stacked up all the way up to the ceiling if I put, if I stacked them on each other. But my point is, is that a lot of the things that we want to accomplish, we're afraid to show up for. Yeah. And she really helped me see that I already had all of this in me. Like, I think I spent a lot of time prior to that. And I'm a researcher, kind of like you, like I, I study, I research, which is really great, except that I can get into procrastination and never come out of that <laughs> space. Yeah. And so she so was funny. like, <laughs> she was like, go, right, do it. The more you do it. The more it's it, we talk about programming and pattern interrupt. So my pattern was fear. My pattern was I can't do this or people are going to judge me. And then her reinforcement was just do it. Each time you write a chapter, you're going to get more confident. Each time you finish a section, you're going to feel better. And it was right. Like I just kept going and going and going. And by the time I was done, I had a manuscript in my hand. And I'm looking at her like, I did it. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. But it's good. You know? It's She's like, yeah. It's that's amazing. Good. It's the do until you become, right? You uh -huh. just have to do it. There's no other way around. I mean, there's no other way to it. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. If you're not writing, you're not a writer. So right. that's exactly right. Like, and so it was just like, it, it was simple, but also hard because I had to face all of that. And then my current coach, um, Allison Walsh, she's a VP of business development um, at um, it's advanced recovery systems, but it's a dual diagnosis, mental health and uh, drug recovery place. And she's phenomenal. She works with branding. She works with powerful women and authors and just different influencers and things like that. But she's really helped me own my message. I would say, like, I think that when you're, you are an entrepreneur or when you are a thought leader and you feel like there's something powerful you need to share, it's like, how, <laughs> like, <laughs> where, where do I start? What does that look like? You know, how do I get what I have to say down into 60 seconds? And so, um, she was very good at showing me like where my through lines were, how can I say what I need to say in a more simpler way? And, and then also some branding, some coloring and things may just be consistent and recognizable. But, um, all of those things, again, I was really scared to put myself out there like that. It's very vulnerable to do what we do. You know, we have podcasts, we're interviewing, we're writing, we're sharing, and you're no longer are hiding. So you're very visible and again, vulnerable. So um, having someone, both of my coaches believe in me so much that it makes me believe in myself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go out there and change some lives. So that's my two cents. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes you just have to have someone in your corner to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know it's, it's so hard. When I, when I started my own podcast, for instance, I was so afraid of public speaking. Yeah, it was one of my, the worst fear ever. Like, it's like the, the thing that I <laughs> didn't want to do ever. Uh, but then I felt like I had an important message to share. And I really had to rewire my nervous system to not be so afraid of showing up, sharing my message and yes. being seen because it hurts when people judge you. Of course it does. And I don't think it really that goes away, but it doesn't affect you as much if you rewire your nervous system because yes. then you can kind of brush it off and it doesn't sink in. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. And um, having that support when you're first rising is super important. And I want to say that to the, the listeners too, because I know this audience has a lot of leaders and a lot of entrepreneurs. So if you're working for an organization and you're a leader, there's a certain responsibility of, of visibility that you should be owning. Um, people look to you for guidance And I know um, I've, you know, it's a lot more common to see director level and above start sharing their voice too. And I just want to just reinforce that a coach, regardless whether you're a leader or an entrepreneur, is probably going to be a game changer for you. I'm a big fan of, I say, build your executive dream team. That's part of the conversation. It's 
chapter 11, I think, but I'm like, you need mentors, you need a fan club. I always say like, in addition to a coach, you need a mentor, someone you can call maybe, you know, once every 90 days, that's has some vested interest in seeing you succeed. And then like a fan club, a peer group that, um, people that support you that when you call and you, you like me and I'm like, Hey, I'm scared to do this. They're like, you got this. You're amazing. <laughs> and um, cause so often we call people um, when we're not thinking of intentionally building a support network, we just call, we might call the wrong person. Like I sit joke around, I think in the book and I'm like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to call my grandma to write a book. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, she doesn't know how to do that. I, I hired Nancy Levin. That's, like, that's what I did. But I, if I need motivation or need that grit, then I'm going to call grandma because she's going to tell me how it's happened to my grit. <laughs> exactly. We need our support systems. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to talk about another quote from your book that really resonated with me. So what you said is we need to include our bodies in our healing journey. This is something that I've experienced too, and it plays out on so many different levels. And one is the primary emotions that we're subconsciously seeking to obtain. Can you share how this was showing up in your life? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I want to digress and just share like the science real fast too, because I think it's so important. Like I read, um, but the body keeps its score. Yeah. And in that, that's a really great book. But one of my takeaways, which makes this conversation have more meaning is that 80% of our wisdom is contained in our bodies and not our mind. And that's twofold. So our decision-making, our bodies know whether it's good for us before this does, before our mind does. And then also when we bring it back to pattern interrupt, um, our bodies remember the trauma or the, the good and bad of the experiences. 80% um, of our experiences are held in our body and not our mind. And we spend so much time in talk therapy and working our minds, which is awesome. But what I realized is that my body was uh, sharing me with sharing so many messages that I just completely ignored. And it started, I would say six months in with pain down my, like down my neck, wrapping mm -hmm. into my shoulder at a year, I had points where I couldn't turn my head all the way. And I was just like, oh, maybe I worked out funny or maybe I'm not drinking enough water. I started dismissing the signs that my body was giving me and, and went into that powering through. So um, not to reiterate, but to share again, that I ended up with autoimmune disease. And that was a direct um, reaction to not listening to my body. Yeah. I bet it was I kind of had a similar experience happening to me. And what's so important for people to understand is that there is underlying physiology to your psychology. So in other words, hormones that. and neurotransmitters create those feeling states and your nervous system will try to keep you in the feeling states that you spend most of your time in because that's what's familiar and feel safe, even if it's an uncomfortable feeling, like being stressed or anxious, but your yeah. body gets used to those states and you'll subconsciously try to create more of them. And that's yeah. why 
that's why you might have a really hard time relaxing when you have a high stress, high pressure job that usually requires you to be alert and focused. For example, I've noticed that I'm tempted to fill my vacation time with lots and lots of activities to recreate that alert and focused state of my mind that oh, I'm yeah, used to. the same way. Yes. Exactly. Is that something that you've experienced too? <laughs> I sure have. And now I'm like consciously like, and that's it. As we talk about the healing side, it's about pausing so you can catch the pattern and be like, okay, I see myself booking myself that actually, even though there's fun, I, I know the end result will be me exhausted and not feeling like I rested. So yeah, I have been the same way. Now I take vacations and I'm like, I might have one day that's like my action day, but then I make sure that I have a rest day. Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, that's great. Another way that I've experienced this deep body-mind connection is the way that my muscles tense up when I'm stressed. Yes. For me, for the stress, uh, is it the jaw for you? Yeah. So for me, it's a lot of tension in my neck and shoulders and upper back. So something that I have found super helpful is stretching that relaxes those muscles again. And what I found to be even more helpful is to combine those long stretches with affirmations because that way I teach my body to relax into a new belief, for instance. And over time, it reduces the mental and physical resistance toward that belief. So as a yoga teacher, you might have had some similar experiences. What techniques that involve the body have you found to be most helpful for healing the relationship with yourself? One of the things that I still do, and I don't know if I'll be able to get it all in video or not in the frame, but, you know, as you were mentioning, there's a deep mind-body connection. And one thing that I love to do is a practice I learned in yoga and then stopped doing for a while and then when I remembered it again, I was like, oh, now I do it all the time. But I put my left hand on my heart and my right hand on my gut. There's like that saying, gut instinct, but our gut, it's the reason that there's these cliches, right? We have a gut instinct. And so one of the ways that I come back into myself and make better decisions is I put left hand on my heart, right hand on my gut, and I ask myself, how am I going to feel? Not what not do what I think I should do. do. I ask yeah. my body, how am I going to feel when I make this decision? And you can feel when it's positive, you get the butterflies or you feel like your emotions raise up or you feel your energy increase, or you might even smile when it's not good. You can feel it like I know my own body signs and I start to like, <laughs> and I might feel like a little nausea. And, um, so that's one so thing that I learned from my, my yoga world that I, I use on a pretty regular basis. It's pretty practical. That's awesome. I have to try that. I bet that as a yoga teacher, you probably um, are able to spot all the high achievers straight away because in your class, you're probably the ones that are competitive, just looking around, comparing themselves to the others all the time, trying to be perfect, and then leaving before Shavasana because they think it's a total waste of their time. <laughs> Yes, yes, 100%. And, um, you know, there's something in that that I, I want to rewind back to as well. It's kind of in that that high achiever profile. But one of the things is that, um, as far as like, even leaving a savasana, um, 
we there's a lot of survival. You're kind of indicating this when we we're, we're talking about the the last rounds of patterning. Um, but w- when we're children, we have survival. We got we want love and acceptance from our parents. Period. And so for some of that, it is performing. It's being a straight A student. It's not talking back, or it's achieving in sports and getting all the highest honors. Um, so for high achievers, we probably as a child got rewarded for being a good girl or uh, like a good boy. And so that's how our, our nervous system, what you were talking about, our nervous systems were conditioned or programmed to survive this way. It's like, oh, if I achieve, then I'm safe, right? right. But exactly. after 30, 40, 50 years of performing, your body gets tired because it's an outdated program. And that's why it's so important, like how you're saying to like pause and, and stretch. If you slow down just enough, you can rewire your program. You can rewire your nervous system. And it starts with just noticing, oh, my neck starting to ten- mm-hmm. tense up. Let me stretch and do a positive affirmation. All of these are pattern interrupts into a state of thriving, which is ultimately where the book lands is, hey, there's this whole other way. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a proverb or something that goes something along the lines of tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. And this is, I think, something that people have to remind themselves over and over again. Whenever we start to tense up, there's something that we're doing that's not quite aligned and we have to pause and become aware of that, right? Yes, exactly. Practice the pause. I love that saying. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? You know, one of the things to just close out, and we've, we've touched on this as we've gone through, but Strengths and weaknesses. I just want to end on that. We spend a lot of time as individuals strengthening our weaknesses. And there's only going, we're only going to be able to bring a weakness up to maybe a mediocre status, right? And I don't want to digress too much because I know we're getting close to time, but during one of my Kundalini meditations where it got pretty cosmic on me and um i was bringing we were bringing being brought through a guided meditation and in this meditation i kind of got brought brought back to like tribal times and i remember seeing myself as a tribal woman thousands of years ago and i had bracelets all the way up my arm and each bracelet symbolized my strengths and the other women and men in the in the tribe too had like men had um, like necklaces, women had bracelets, but either way, these were more than just a vanity thing. They were a way of symbolizing what you can contribute, what are your strengths, what are you good at? And when I came out of that meditation, I just had a very deep, profound um, reflection of like, we spend so much time in modern society hiding our strengths. And I'm like, what would it look like if we owned our strengths and displayed them almost 
like with that pride of like, Hey, here's how I can help you. Here's my bracelets. I'm really good at writing. I'm really good at connecting dots and determining patterns. And then like people would know how to help you. And I just encourage you as a listener to lean into your strengths and maybe even like how we were sharing coaching before find coaches that are willing to help you develop your strengths. Because when you are in your strengths, not only are you breaking your own patterns and rising into your true you and into your becoming, but you're now in a position where your conf- your confidence is high enough that you know who you are and you can help other people. So it's this really, we spend so much time hiding that when we become vulnerable and we, we rise into it and show who we are, it just makes such a huge impact on so many things. So that's where I want to close. I'm like, rise into who you are and show it off. <laughs> Oh, that's so beautiful. I love the image of the bracelets and just showing off your strength, not hiding anymore. That's just, uh, gives me yeah, chills. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm like, Woo. So last but not least, where can people buy your book and connect with you online? All right. So let's start with buying the book. You can go to BeccaPowers.com forward slash harness your inner CEO. It's right there or Amazon globally has it so you can go to amazon and find it um as far as following me i'm on linkedin instagram and facebook all the handles are the same it's at becca powers 1313 perfect again thank you so much becca for sharing your insights your story and your book with us today it was a pleasure having you back on the show oh thank you claudia it was such a pleasure being back (laughs) take care and talk to you soon bye Thank you so much for listening to the Wired for Success podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a sec to rate and review my show or share it with a friend. That way you can support the show and help me reach and support other entrepreneurs like yourself as well. If you would like my help to figure out how you can go from overwhelmed and overworked hustler to empowered and confident leader, check out my website at www.wiredforsuccess.solutions and book a free 20-minute strategy session with me. Can't wait to help you get wired for success. Until next time, take care. Bye.